the Hutton Orbital Studios are abuzz with the usual pre-show chaos. In the background, the clatter of keyboards, the umbongoing on the desk, they drink it in the Congo, you know, and the hum of machinery blends with the crew's lively chatter. Amelia frantically juggles datapads, trying to organise the latest galactic news while dodging a rolling office chair. Vantion, with headset askew, is caught in a tangled mess of cables, comically trying to free himself without spilling his mug of Hutton's finest brew or getting red on himself for a change. Flossie, ever the calm in the storm, meticulously checks the sound levels, only to be startled by a rogue drone zipping past, trailing a banner for the latest community goal. Chicks, in a last-minute dash, slides through the studio door, papers flying, exclaiming, did somebody say Thargoid invasion, or was that just the traffic report? Mia, trying to corral the group, nearly trips over a mysteriously placed model spaceship, balancing their notes in one hand and a mic in the other. Amid the chaos, the team finally assembles, each taking their seat with seconds to spare. The studio lights dim, the on-air light glows, the theme music starts to swell, and just as they settle, Amelia leans into the mic and says, Our mics are live! And after a week off last week due to unforeseen circumstances, we're back! Well, we might be back, but I've been banned from standing in the next, next election in Hutton Space. I've been banned from voting. I've been in a band, if that helps. I've got a rubber band. Okay. Okay, we, we've all been at the Centauri Megagin again. Uh, I have no idea what just happened. A bit like the news. Hopefully these headlines will help. <clears throat> the inaugural Hutton Orbital Association Suckball Championship. A zero-G game like no other. Community goals return after prolonged publisher strike ends. The inside story. Too hot, too messy, rumbles along, slowly. Felicity Farseer's farcical frameshift fiasco. Hot and space, an utter mess as usual. They say that in space, no one can hear you cheer or scream or wave your rattle in support of your favourite team. But inside the station, it's an entirely different matter. This week saw the start of the Galactic Suckball League, a sport invented at Hutton and as far as we can tell, only ever played in stations owned by Hutton. Okay, no one has ever heard of it where there's a league and a cup and a galactic cup. For those not familiar with Association Suckball, it might be that you're one of the Merkin people from the night shift, and you possibly know it instead as Suction Soccer. 
to differentiate it from American suckball, which is an entirely different sport, or Aussie rules suckball, which is basically, as with most Australian ball sports, a legalised fight. In the zero-g environment of the typical space orbital, which, unlike full stations, doesn't rotate, doesn't stick people to the floor using said rotation, and can't approximate gravity of any sorts, it's difficult to play ball games that involve anything other than twatting a ball really hard and seeing it careen off the far wall. Squash, for instance, works really well in zero-g. There is an element of society, though, that prefers the kind of sport where you have to maintain control of the ball without just smacking it with something, or holding it. Zero-G rugby is a perfect example of a sport that has translated well to space environments. Hence, the invention of suckball. In reality, it ought to be called suck and blow ball, but someone thought it was a naughty name, so they made it only half as naughty by losing the blowing bit. So, what is suckball? Players fitted with suction cup boots, velcro-covered gloves, magnetic suits and a backpack with a long hose ending in a handle attempt to manipulate a specially reactive ball inside a spherical arena and score goals. The goals bit is probably the only bit that resembles football really. The walls of the arena are dotted with metallic sections, velcro-covered strips and smooth sections giving your average player a range of choices as how to stick in place. The backpacks? Players are equipped with specially designed handheld devices, colloquially known as blowers and suckers. These devices can either emit a powerful blast of air to propel the ball forward, or create a vacuum to catch and hold the ball momentarily. The added control over the ball's movement has made the game more dynamic and strategic. With the ability to directly influence the ball's trajectory, players have developed innovative tactics. Teams now have specialised roles, with some players focusing on offensive blows to launch the ball towards the goal, whilst others specialise in defensive sucks to in intercept and capture the ball in mid-air. Similar to traditional soccer, the objective is to score goals by getting the ball into the opposing team's net. However, there's a twist. Goals can be scored from any direction, as the nets are three-dimensional cubes suspended in the middle of the arena. Players must navigate the arena's obstacles using their suction or blowing gear, sucker boots, magnetic body armour and velcro gloves to propel themselves and pass the ball. So simpler than cricket then. The inaugural tournament saw teams from various systems competing in a series of matches that tested not only their athletic skills but also their ability to adapt to the three-dimensional play space. Spectators were treated to a dazzling array of acrobatics and strategy as players bounced off surfaces, executed stunning mid-air manoeuvres and formed human chains to block or redirect the ball. One of the highlights was a match where the underdog team, the Orbital Ocelots, performed a daring move known as the Suck Ball Spiral, where players formed a spinning chain passing the ball along the spiral to score a goal from an impossible angle. Another unforgettable moment was the great save by goalie Sticky Fingers McGraw, who used his suction cups to adhere to a corner of the goal cube, stretching to block a seemingly certain goal. The matches were full of memorable plays, like the vacuum volley where a team passed the ball using only the suck function, creating a mesmerising floating effect. Another was the gale goal, a powerful long-distance blow that sent the ball hurtling into the net from halfway across the arena. The championship concluded with a dramatic final, with the orbital ocelots narrowly defeating the gravity gliders in a penalty shootout. In a gripping finale, the ocelots and the gliders were neck and neck until the final moments. The goal that drew the team's level in the final minutes was a spectacular combination, following a suck-off on the halfway line due to professional foul by one of the gliders, and well-timed suck-to-intersect followed by a rapid blow, sending the ball into the goal in a stunning display of skill, 
teamwork and innuendo. The event was hailed as a huge success, not just for its entertainment value, but also for showcasing the adaptability and ingenuity of humans, and possibly other species, living and working in space. As Commander Twinkletoes Johnson, captain of the winning team, said in a post-match interview, Suckball isn't just a game. It's a celebration of life in space. It's about adapting, innovating, and having a blast whilst doing it. News channels are a buzz this week as the long-missed community goals, CGs to those in the know, made a triumphant return to the galaxy. This revival comes after months of absence, the result of what insiders are calling the Great Publisher Strike of 3309. Mimicking events of the various 21st century film and TV writers' strikes, publishers and coordinators of Community Goals, the CG Publishers Union, known as Galactic Goals Guild or 3G, decided to down tools. Their grievances, lack of creative freedom, compensation issues, and frankly, too many commanders just blowing things up for a quick buck, revealed an anonymous source. The strike led to a CG drought leaving pilots longing for the good old days of collaborative galactic missions. The speculative CGs that never were during the strike, commander, uh, rumours swirled about potential community goals that never saw the light of day. These included the Great Galactic Bake Off, a competition to create the most delicious zero-G cake, judged by a panel of esteemed space chefs. Pilots were expected to bring the required foodstuffs and some processors to Baker Analysis Centre in Kojak, sorry, Coljack, who loves you, baby. Rewards included being allowed to lick the beater and for those in the top tier, having it turned off first. Operation Fin Commander Flossie's Pan, a galaxy-wide hunt for the lost kitchen utensil, rumoured to be the key to peace among warring factions. Asteroid base interior decoration. Pilots were to gather rare materials for the ultimate makeover of a drab asteroid base into a luxurious space resort. Pilots had to deliver hot tubs, Motrona experienced jelly, and alcohol to Elephant's Trunk Mine and the GM Cephi system. The deadlock was broken thanks to the intense negotiations between the Pilots Federation and Commander Flossie of Hutton Orbital. The turning point? A historic, a historic meeting where Flossie reportedly used her infamous pan yeah reportedly not repeatedly used her infamous pan to knock some sense into the heads of the federation's top brass the details are sketchy but sources say the sound of a pan echoing through the negotiation chamber was the catalyst for peace with the strike over the pilots federation has promised more engaging and diverse community goals we're looking at a new era of cgs said a spokesperson from exploring unknown regions of space to collaborative construction projects and even some non-combat cultural events. Oh, Thargoids. They're bound to be Thargoids. And yes, we're ensuring the creators are well-fed, well-paid and far away from Flossie's pan. When we asked her about her role in resolving the strike, Commander Flossie modestly said, I just did what any sensible pilot would do when negotiations stall. Bring out the kitchenware. Now let's get back to trucking. Week 76 of Too Hot Too Messy saw commanders pass the 117,000 mark. The Hutton-led initiative to bring Hutton rares to every station in the known universe trundles on and on. 
Numbers are holding steady since Christmas, just under a thousand last week. So you don't need to be a mathematician to know that the four-week average is also just about one thousand. A couple of new names can be seen in the live deliveries. I wonder how long they'll stick around once they realise they haven't given away a hut and mug for ten deliveries for a couple of months. The recent expansion is over and so current gin production is no longer at 21 units. It's very quiet traffic-wise at Hutton. Commanders should find the approaches free of congestion and landing pad availability is good, occasionally very good. Rumour has it may even be able to get a seat in the pub when you arrive, especially if you come straight from your ship without changing out of your flight suit, even though the sign at the door says, no dirty boots or overalls. Light traffic only this week. Bird Horse did two runs, the best was 1 hour 23 minutes 52 seconds, and Norbert Pantanord, 1 hour 24 minutes 48 seconds. One of the galaxy's most respected engineers, Felicity Farseer of Farseer Incorporated's facility, faced a flummoxing fumble in her frameshift forte. Farseer, famed for finessing starships to fleetly flit farther than formerly feasible, found herself in a fix when a finicky frameshift fiddle on her own frigate floundered fantastically. The freakish fluke forced Farseer's freighter to flicker and flutter across the firmament, flitting fleetingly from one far-flung fragment of space to another every five fleeting minutes. Flabbergasted onlookers fumbled for their scanners as the ship flickered into frenetic space races, floated through the fabulous rings of Saturn and even flounced uninvited to a fervor and informal fracas between the Mad Monks of Van Manen and the Splinter Sect, the Sublime Order of Van Manen. Seriously, such splitters. Normally, uh, Paradgim, oh God, I can't even say that word, Paradgim of precision and peerless proficiency, Farseer faced a flustering phenomenon as her ship phantasmally phased in and out of physical space. Each ephemeral emergence was echoed by embarrassed exclamations and earnest entreaties emanating from Farseer, fervently fixing the fluctuating fiasco. While a vexing vicissitude for Farseer, this fantastic frameship flub was furnished a fountain of fun for fellow flyers. A frolicsome faction of flighty pilots formed a frivolous forecast fellowship wagering wittily on where the wayward warp would whisk the wandering woman next. Whimsical whispers wove wild, waggish and whopping tales of the ship's surprise snapshots at stellar soirees and celestial ceremonies. Spirited speculation suggests the snafu stems from secretive strides in spaceflight science, with whispers winding about a wondrous yet wayward propulsion project under Farseer's supervision. Some suggest the entire escapade was an engineered enigma, expertly executed to elude inquisitive interlopers. Facing the Federation, Felicity Farseer furnished a forthright and friendly foreword, affirming that the anomaly would be addressed anon. In her hallmark humorous hue, she heralded, As an engineer, I'm avid about advancing the art of uh, astronautics, alas, 
Occasionally, these advances assert their own agenda. Jesus, you let him back into the writer's room, didn't you? You promised me he'd been fired. Right rotten rotters, the lot of you. Things are going through somewhat of a... Oh, for Alvin's sake, is it still only the middle of January? Five in Hutton Space this week. Four systems are on Alvin's report, and for the first time in a while, they're all up in the 30s. One system is on the blink, and one of our wolves is thirsty. More on those stories coming up. Ross671 continues to see off all comers in its defence of the wooden spoon, putting in a solidly poor performance, but climbing four points to 30. The other factions are still snapping at our heels, but for the first time in some weeks, a ten-point gap has opened up to second place. A quarter of influence is locked up in an election to decide third place, so come back after the weekend before trying to boost Hutton. You recall that we hadn't heard much from Barnard Star for a while, and then, two weeks ago, it dropped ten points. In those two weeks, it's dropped a further five points, coming to a rest half a point above Ross 671 on 31, about which the Hutton population is elated. However, amongst the also-rans are four factions in famine, three civil unrest, two blights, an impressive bust, and a civil war in a pear tree. Gaining a couple of points is hard to move Epsilon Indy, still suffering somewhat from the after-effect of long mobs, ending the week on 35. A lack of adverse states leave all influence on the table, so head over there to widen the gap in Alvin's most populous system. Narnia is standing on the edge of Alvin's report with half a toe over the line on 39.7. Systems on the blink, uh, systems are on the blink in Y0855-0714, so it is time to make a disgraceful profit by shipping in water purifiers and power generators to the medium pads on Yamazaki Landing. A drought has occurred in Wolf 562, so shipping water to the large pads at Berners-Lee or Hopkins Port. At the overachieving end of the Hutton Systems table, we have just four of our systems above 60%. We expanded into the Ross 47 system, which is controlled by the Earth Defence Fleet, so remember to take your litter home with you and to keep your feet off the seats. Priorities this week are, if you want to truck something, boost Epsilon Indy, clear the infrastructure failure in Wise 0855-714, and ease the drought in Wolf 562. Someone please say Pradgim. Paradigm. That's it. Paradigm. That's not how you spell. That's that's not how you spell paradigm. Yes, it is. It is. That's how you spell it. Is it? You sure? Does it have a squiggly red line under it? I would. I would add that that's that's not how you see it. It's not. (laughs) It's not how you see it though. When you're reading, when you're reading all those tongue twisters, it's just yeah. Yeah. Your brain stops when it hits That's a rock. So you did the last one so well, I had to see if he could come up and step up a little bit with one that would, would get you. And okay, there was one word, but you know, you set me a challenge. <laughs> and Felicity Farsia of Farsia Inc. and the facility in Farsia Inc. is, is a prime candidate for alliteration. That shop you heard. 
Well, Amelia's going to write it next week for me. <laughs> oh, oh, God. <laughs> you don't, seriously, you don't want that? <laughs> no, the phrase you're searching for is challenge accepted. I, I don't want to make him look foolish. Oh, oh you can do that entirely on his own. Exactly, I do that very, very well without any help whatsoever. Does not need your assistance. And in fact, encouraging me just makes it worse. Anyway, well, we're 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 here. We're we're back. Sorry, sorry about the week off last week. Before before we continue too far, does anyone remember that game, Gauntlet? What we we we're talking? What what was it? Settlements and scavengers. Was Gauntlet the one with the the blue barbarian and the red? Yeah, yeah, I remember that one. No, we were playing it at ECM. Where on we? the arcade. Yeah, oh, I missed that. It was on the it was on the arcade machine at ECM. Oh, Coming no. back to a venue near you later in the year. It'll be at the next DaveCon, right? Da- no, no, ECM. Not definitely not DaveCon. But yes, it will be. <laughs> it will be at the next DaveCon. Yes, we have been. We have been talking to the venue. Mm-hmm. Um, I just sort of did poke them and say, "Oi." Venue and um, an unexpected voice um, answered the phone. And I said, "Who's that?" And the, and it's Becky. And I said, "Becky, where's Sam? Oh, Sam's not here anymore. Where's Emma? Oh, Emma's not here anymore. I'm new. Ah, <laughs> let me educate you. Welcome we to event. hospitality. Yes, we have an event in August. Said, oh, do you? I'll look it up. And I said, "You may want to talk to Neil, the manager, about what to what." Oh, to Neil's do. moved on. No, no, Neil is still there, thank goodness. Um, so, so she said, "Oh yes, I will go and speak to him." Somebody did mention something about it. It sounded like it was good fun. I said, "That was the right answer." We're coming back, and she said, "Oh, good." I said, "That's also the right answer." Are you going to get us some proper beer this time? She said, "I'll try." <laughs> so That's awful crap they had last time. Oh no, they, uh, they promised me they were going to put some ale on, so they put an APA on, which was basically uh, lager. Was... Yes, and I, I gave them a look. So, so yes, we've been negotiating, and we sort of, I think we finalised the finalised the dates. We have we, final contracts are still coming through, but it, it's going to be on the weekend of the 9th of August. Shipyard was it? It was shipyard yeah. APA. Yes. Yeah, uh, me, sinister hedgehog and I. Uh... <laughs> we made faces at each other. Well, up until the manager realised that the thing they put in the contract promising that they were going to bring some meant he had to go to the cash and carry again and buy a pallet of Doombar again. Same as 2018. But look, if that's the only problem, then hey, that's not an insurmountable one. But yes, it, we, we, we've we been negotiating and um, sort, sorting it all out. And um, yeah, it, it looks like, yeah, it's, it's going to be the, the weekend of the 9th of August. Uh, details will be forthcoming over the next few weeks. Nice. Yay. Um, yeah, other than that, um, we have had apologies this week from Sandy Crevice himself from Litho Breaker. Who, when we asked him, come on, what time are you turning up at the studio? He says, well, yeah, I'm just um, trying to work out whether to have the um, the crab or the Chateaubriand. And uh, I'm in Verona, by the way. Uh, okay, so you're not on the show then. So, yes, he's been van- banished to Verona. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, so but I'm sure he'll be back at some point, but he's, he's living his best or worst, depending on how the flights were, a jet set lifestyle at the moment. Bless so, somebody tell me, what, what? other than us, did we miss a Frontier live stream? I've lost the <laughs> world to Come on. <laughs> oh. Well, they, they published their interim results. I've, I've stopped looking. No, oh, okay. You stopped looking at interim results or for Frontier live streams? Well, I, I know Palantir has, now that he, 
his his entire portfolio. He's lost enough of, money to afford a bottle of gin. Yes. Yeah, that's all he can buy with what they're worth now. Anyway, that's because evil people keep going on the internet, and going doom. Yes. <clears throat> anyway, um, okay, no frontier live stream. Um, Amelia, as you're on the decks this evening, Ooh. Mm -hmm. I did notice that we had started up a new space news channel on the Discord. Did we? Yeah, which I think, <laughs> which I think somebody may have used as the origin of what's on screen coming up soon. I, th I think possibly. I saw that little grey had been putting something in the uh, the list, and uh, oh, oh, there's a whole stack there. Who put these ones up? Oh, that's Commander Chick. So I'm going to hand I, over. To... I did. Yeah. Oh, well, it's but... it's only the it's all the space news stories we've done. Familiar and chicks to do these bits. We've yeah. done over the past few few weeks. Well, I think I think Mia put the first one in. I put the first oh, two in. I thought you did. Uh, just tell me when you want the the intro to Space News. Well, we it's it's like twenty five seconds ago. Okay, go, right. We better do go, this go, then. Go. <laughs> when you don't know where to get more space news, 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 space news. No seams. Definitely didn't see any seams. Yeah, you didn't. Sick. You didn't see anything, right? <laughs> no seams at all. Yeah. No. no. Nobody saw nothing. Yeah. Nobody saw nothing. Put Lancashire. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. So um, it turns out somebody in uh, Lancashire's found uh, a giant space donut. What did me? It may be. Is he in central Lancashire? No, he's in Derby. It's north. That'll do. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Sounds even. You mean. Well, I'm just north of Lancashire. Well, anything. technically, Lancaster is not central Lancashire. Uh, no, technically. It's near my end. Yeah, it's 22 miles north of central Lancashire. Different university. But anyway, carry on. Yeah. Straight next to a picture of the uh, King Charles and thing about he's in Lars Prostate. But anyway, back to the giant ring. Um, so. Yeah, she's discovered this 3.1 billion light, no, 1.3 billion light years in diameter. It appears to be roughly 15 times the size of the moon in the night sky. Ah, okay. As seen from Earth. And, and what they called it? It's called it the Big Ring. Oh, well, innovative naming convention. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It apparently can't be seen with the naked eye, though, so, you know, don't bother looking. Um, well, it's interesting because yeah. that's just off the panhandle. Flossie, calm down. It's just off the end of the panhandle there, isn't it? In, uh... Yeah, see, I don't quite get it. I mean, surely you could just pick up... I don't know, you could just look at around the bit of the sky and go, that's a circle. That's a circle. That's a circle. But no, there but must it's be not visible to... by the human eye, is it? It's only no. visible by super telescopes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but they've they've done a handy picture with blue dots and red dots. And what's the There's red thing? Smile, I think yeah. the red bit's is that the, the big space... arc. Is that the space caterpillar? Has that got a cunning name as well, the big arc? Yeah, it's called the giant arc. So, oh. and, the, yeah. and, the, and the person who named these is, is called what? <laughs> the medium-sized astronomer. Uh, her name is Alexia. Yes. Oh, don't say that out loud. 
and it's like Alexia, name some space stuff. Yes, and then play uh, classic FM. I'm gonna I'm gonna say Alexia so that it doesn't set off the thing in the corner. <laughs> So Alexia Lopez, who's a PhD student at the University of Central Lancashire. Oh, she's at Central. Uh, I thought she was Lancaster. Yeah. Oh, it is Central Lancashire then. Yeah. That's yeah. A, anyway, the, that's the in Preston. U-Clan. Anybody U-Clan. who's Preston. actually looked at the galaxy map though regularly will see random stripes and circles and donuts in space. I mean, we, these aren't abnormal things. We we see sort of straight lines full of stars and you know mm-hmm. cubes full of stars as we're exploring the galaxy. <clears throat> Yeah, of course, there's going to be a round one as well. I mean, yeah, it and, and people normally just say it's the star catalog, so, well, so maybe the, maybe the star catalog's just got it wrong. Do you see is, cubes of stars? There is some logic to the naming with the big and the giant because uh, the big one is 1.3 billion light years diameter, but the giant one is 3.3 billion. Are these light official years designations of big? It appears to be well, there's big and giant. So if something's really big, it's measured in you around wouldn't... 1.3 billion. Yeah. Yeah, light years. Light years, yeah. And 3.3 billion appears to be giant. Well, there you go. There, yeah. there, there, there's a new banana for measurement. There we go. Yeah. I saw somebody mentioned uh, an asteroid that had bumped up in the Earth's atmosphere being the size of half a giraffe. Oh, there was there was confusion over that one. Yeah, because, uh, yeah, because which half? half? Yeah, the, the left half. Yeah. <laughs> Was it half cut that way, yeah. or was it half with the one end with the head and the yeah, front of it, it and the with front the arse? And... The front half's a lot bigger than the back half, isn't it? So was it the, half the mass of, yeah. or yeah? Um... Well, yeah. you assume the half means it goes through its centre of gravity Why? at least. No, no. If you've got a half an animal, you pick a smaller animal. <laughs> it's a how, half how many, a hamster. It was many, the size of yeah. half a hamster. How many capybaras buys it? <laughs> Hard work. Oh, a work. Hard work. Oh, right. Oh, well, it's Flossie now. CG. Time for Flossie now. Look what you've done now. Uh, I'm allowed to sing. Okay, so I'm done. What about Last of the Moon Men? What about the Last of the Moon Men? Oh, have I got to do that one as well? I thought somebody else was going to pick this up. I really can do this one. No. um, I don't know any of these. I'll do that. (laughs) Neither do I. Just just read the website. I'll, uh, I'll do this one. Um, what does it say? Who are the eight surviving members of humanity's greatest feat of exploration? I think you know some of them. Alan, I think I'd probably do it off the top of my head, actually. Um, well, of the moonwalkers, you've Al Bean, um, Apollo 16. He's the, he's the youngest. He was 36 when he walked on the moon. Uh, Buzz Aldrin, of course, who's well into his 90s now, Apollo 11. Um, Harrison Schmidt, who was the only civilian, well, technically Neil Armstrong was a civilian, but we're not going to... He, he, uh, he said it's it's easier to train geologists to be astronauts than it is to make astronauts into geologists. So Harrison Schmidt went on Apollo 18 with Gene <laughs> Cernan. Who's the other one? Dave Scott is the other one, I think, of the moonwalkers. Wasn't he, wasn't he the guy who drove? Dave Scott was 15, he was, wasn't he? He was, SRV, he was SRV driving around on the moon, wasn't he? Yeah, he was Apollo yeah. 15. Yeah. What about Barry Scott? No, I went to school with no. him. No. Um, so eight. Uh, oh, of course. Um, um, uh, 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 what's his name? Apollo 13. Tom Hanks. Yeah, him. Yes, him. Jim Lovell. Yeah, Jim Lovell. Yeah, that's, that's the one. Yeah. Um, Bill Anders is still alive, who was with Lovell on Apollo 8, who famously took the Earthrise 
um, picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, who else? Oh, and Fred Hayes, of course, Apollo 13, played played by Bill Paxton. He's still alive. Bill Paxton isn't. Bill Paxton, oh, no, Bill Paxton isn't. isn't. No, no Brilliant Fred Hayes actor. is. Yeah. Because Jack Swigert, who was the other one, played by Kevin Bacon, um, died very young. I think he died in the uh, 1970s, just a few years. He was he was elected as a senator, but died before he took up his, his post. Oh, wow. Um, how many is that? That must be eight. Oh, um, Tom Stafford, part of 10, Snoopy, which is still out there. Still Snoopy. Yeah, Snoopy. The... Um, the Lem for Apollo 10. So oh, they, they went down, I think within, I don't know, it was about eight miles or something of the moon's surface. Um, rendezvoused with Charlie Brown, which was the, the CSM, the command module. And then obviously jettisoned Snoopy. And instead of crashing into the moon, it, it went into a, um, an Earth orbit, Earth-Sun orbit. So sometimes it's orbiting around the well, basically, the, the, the Earth-Sun system. It's still out there. Still doing its thing. Well, it's still so, I mean, obviously, it's the, the plan that, that we, we need to get back while well, well, there are still people who remember like it was in the first place. Well, because we're, I mean, we're trying, aren't we, to get back? Well, we are, but we've just, which is the next story. Um, we've just put Artemis Three, which would be the first landing mission. We've just put that back by a year. Yeah. Um, to September 26, um, and Artemis 2 um, was supposed to be the end of this year. I think it was November this year has been put by 10 months to September 25. Was Artemis 2 the one where they were going to do it all without humans? No, they, to... Artemis 2 was going to go round the moon. So it's a bit of a rerun of Apollo 8 to it. Really. Yeah. They're going to go round the moon but not land. Yeah. Um, obviously incrementally testing the systems, but the fundamental problem they have is um, they don't have anything to land on the moon in they don't mm. have a vehicle or and they haven't even got spacesuits yet oh can we can we can we have the um the picture up for for that one Amelia? That's, that's a bit odd since they had spacesuits uh... in the 60s and now well, they I know just, but they're all but in they're, museums now they're all yeah but they've kind of so they've kind of gone backwards in that respect well they, they've well that's they've... The, the next article I think They've kind of put up pictures of what's. You know, it's obviously oh oh we've forgotten spacesuits, you know. Yeah. Um, they, they do have one in development, but they're still developing it. It's not ready. Yeah. Um, so they've put basically put back the entire Artemis program. Now, from a background of planning big projects, you don't put something back by ten months that you were going to do in nine months' time. That that says to me. Somebody's dropped the ball. Mm. A bit like Crossrail. Do you think possibly it was a bit optimistic in them in the first place and to say we're going to have people on the moon, but for 2025 to say they're originally, isn't it? Um, well, no. If you set it on in Kennedy in 1962, before they even had Saturn V or even a computer, said in 62 we're going to land by the end of the decade. So you put the program in place to meet the goal. Um, and they spent an awful lot of money. It sounds doing a bit it. like a good game of softball. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you can do it, but obviously Artemis, I think it's obviously budget limited. It's also very complicated. I mean, Jim went through a 
a sort of a synopsis a few weeks ago of what they actually, you know, the, the mechanism, you know, the, the, the changing of craft and all the other stuff they do to get there is horrendously complicated. Mm. And it's, it sounds to me it's all about keeping costs down because they're using SpaceX and lots yeah. of private contractors. Um, well, that's the thing, they try to do it on the cheap, whereas I think when it was... When well, it was they're the, trying to create um, an yeah, industry that, that's sustainable. That when it was Apollo, they just spent the money, didn't they? Because it was Cold yeah. War. Yeah. Well, it was a, it was a different goal because don't don't forget Apollo nineteen and twenty were cancelled. Mm. I think was it twenty? Be, I think it was twenty became Skylab. They they used. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously money is a consideration, but somebody's made the you know the brave decision to uh, to put it back because if if you ain't got it if if you know, often you can. It's 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 wrong to say you can't buy time. Sometimes you can, but whether it makes sense to buy time is a is a different story. Yeah, but I'd be um, keen to see it uh, it occur again. Oh yeah, definitely. I'd love to see people <clears throat> get back to the moon. That'd be brilliant. Well, the next story mm-hmm. is also about a moon landing that. Um, as as a bit of Apollo thirteen about it. Oh yeah. Mm. Well, this is the Peregrine Falcon going to the moon. Yes. <laughs> well, it's not. It's called Peregrine, isn't it? Peregrine well, it is Peregrine, lander. Yeah. Um, yeah. So had we done last week's show, this story would have been: Oh, Peregrine has gone up and it's going to the moon. Well, this week, the Uh-oh. story is: I think Peregrine did its final final flight into the. Uh, Atmosphere over the South Pacific this afternoon. Um, All right. And to cut a long story short, it... and that's what it was supposed to be doing, though. Yeah. No, it's supposed to be going to the moon. Oh, and it didn't go to the moon. It didn't go to the moon. Oh um, no! In a, in Apollo thirteen fashion, it developed a fault, mm-hmm. um, and initially they couldn't align the solar. They couldn't get the solar panels to stay in alignment with the sun. So the issue they were going to have is obviously the batteries were going to run down and it was going to going to, yeah. going to fail because they wouldn't be able to communicate with it. And then they realised the reason it couldn't um, align its solar panels with the sun was because something was pushing it off. Um, some, something was turning it. And the thing that was turning it was an impulse from a leaking fuel tank. It's uh, oh. a leaking oxygen tank. Yeah. This didn't explode and blow the side off the ship. And... No, but it's pushing it the wrong way. Yeah, precisely. So they uh, figured out they could compensate for the l- loss of fuel by using more fuel um, mm. to align the things so it could charge its solar panels. And then they realised... In fact, they, to be fair to the engineers, they, they did actually achieve quite a lot, but not in the original um, mission sense. Yeah. Um, they got to use some of the instruments, um, one of which was built in Oxfordshire. Um, but they realised it was doomed. 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 So, oh, um, doomed. so in the end, this afternoon, in fact, they did the right thing. And instead of just letting it run out of fuel and float about and be useless, they uh, pointed it at the South Pacific and smashed it through the atmosphere to burn up. Instead of leaving junk in space, yeah. So don't forget, take your litter home. Don't <laughs> don't put your feet on the seats. 
So the six on your feet either. They're the, they're the big space news stories over the past couple of weeks, I suppose. A bit <coughs> Peregrine is no more. Ah, not bits, of, bits of it are around this. Not anymore. The same, I forgot the name of the company who uh, developed it. Off the top of my head. Um, but oh, they, it said they, in the article. Hold on. Yeah, it does. Um, they are doing another mission later in the year. Um, and and this thing was supposed to <coughs> United Launch Alliance. No, the company actually did the. Um, it's not the screen, is it? Let me let me just open it up. It doesn't. The rocket really. was called the Vulcan Centaur. Yeah, it's uh, astrobotic. No, right. It's the, uh, the company. So it's basically supposed to go to the moon and report back. It's supposed to do all kinds of uh, experiments which would inform later Artemis missions to the moon. Yeah. But it's not going to do those now. It's done some of them, I suppose. Well, it's interesting that, A, the, it, w it was going to be the first um, vehicle to make a soft landing on the moon. That wasn't... Um, put up there by a government. It was mm. uh, it was a private company. Um, yeah. So that would have been the first. Yeah, that would be nice. Well, I suppose there's still somebody will do it. Yeah, and it's you know, I see more and more of it. Yeah. Yeah. So is is that the end of space news then? Should Should I do the 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 song again? Yeah. All right. Oh, go on then. Okay. When you don't know where to get more space news, 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 space news. Space news time is over. You know, every time I listen to it, it grows on me a bit more. Yeah. Like mould. Yeah. yeah, like mould. <laughs> <laughs> so, do we have a word of the week? We do have a word of the week this week, and this week's word of the week is... Bunkum. Wow. What does that mean? It's foolish or insincere talk or ideas. Can you use it in a sentence, please? Yes. Everyone agreed the apology officer's response to the cubicle 3 backfire incident was utter bunkum. <laughs> and if you like the spelling and the meaning, it's now on the headline that's yeah. scrolling across the screen. Ooh, ooh. Uh, what do you call a magic aardvark? A magic... What do Jeff. you call a magic anteater? Yeah, you're right. Carry on. <laughs> no. <laughs> you call it... A wizard fart. Aardvark! Hang on, hang on. I, I've just... Uh, Hut and Dusty Bot's just poked me with something. It's been listening. Oh. No. Amelia? Yeah? <laughs> are you able to pop up an image? Um... Um... Say no. Say no. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Maybe. Put it in the banner images. Uh, no, well, no, I just put it into uh, um, in, into the broadcast folder. Hang on a second. If you bung it into the banner media folder. Right. Just lose. There's loads of things in there. I need to clear some of them. Hang on a second. Yeah, no, no, I'll clear everything out but that one. 
No, I can't even see it now. I've lost it. Where is it? <laughs> what is it oh. called? <laughs> it begins with D. I think um, it begins with yeah, D. Yeah, that one that, that, says, that says wizard vark in is it. it is it D for donkey? <laughs> I think it's a really good image. That, that's why the, the Dusty yeah. Bot has been... I, um... can feel, I can feel some seams creeping in here. Yeah. No, can I can't find it? it. Nope. Hang on, I'm gonna. Uh, it, it's. Uh, can I rename it? Shall I? Shall I ping it to you? Oh no! Hang on a second. Well, it, this oh. is such a good picture. Yeah, you'd have to. You'd, I mean, if you were watching right now or listening, you'd you'd just be amazed. If you saw that, you'd be laughing at <laughs> Yeah, also. you would. Are you sure it's in the media for show uh, broadcast banter media folder? It is. Yes. Right. Well. Well. Hang on. Hang on. I don't, I don't know what. Con- yeah, yeah, I don't know what. Less convinced. <laughs> well, maybe we'll line it up for 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 afterwards. All right. For after this next bit, how about that? I'll, I will. I will try and. I'll, you know, I'll send we shouted Advark some time ago now, don't you? We did. Advark. Yeah. Advark. <laughs> yes. Save him. Save him. Advark. 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 So um. We're on to Flossie with I think uh, so. News. Are you ready, yeah. Flossie? Yes, I am. All right, here we go. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. It's Flossie. And the community goes. Flossie here with this week's CG News. Woohoo! This week we have two CGs. Yay! Yay. The campaign to stockpile guardian relics and the campaign to acquire unclassified relics. The engineer Ramta requires urgent deliveries of guardian or unclassified relics to fully stock in the mean system. Professor Albertesro, head of Aegis, made an announcement to launch the initiative. Since the arrival of the Thargoid Titans, we have developed several new modules to bypass their defences, but these motherships remain a constant presence in our space, continuing to unleash never-ending swarms of Thargoid vessels. (coughs) A recent theory presented by Mamtar has the potential to change this situation. Although details of its research remain classified for the moment, the theory is derived from the Thargoids' inherent vulnerability to the technologies of their ancient enemy, the Guardians. Aegis is doing everything it can to support this crucial initiative. We therefore request deliveries of Guardian relics as well as unclassified relics that are created when Guardian relics are inserted into an ancient Thargoid surface site's central device. Large numbers of these objects are needed in order to rapidly refine Ramtar's theory and develop prototypes of a potential weapon system. Ramtar has promised to reveal more details to the public should these prototypes succeed. As an additional incentive, paint jobs will be offered for qualifying participants. For the Guardian Relic CG, 
the Alliance Chieftain Guardian paint job and the rewards for the unclassified relic CG are cumulative. Top 75% of contributions, Federal Corvette Guardian paint job and the top 50% of contributors, the Imperial Cutter Guardian paint job. And I, I actually missed out in the Guardian Relics one that it's the top 75% that gets the Chieftain one. The campaign begins today, the 18th of January, and will run for one week. If the final target isn't met earlier than planned, the campaign will end immediately. To earn rewards, you must sign up as an active participant before delivering Guardian or unclassified relics to police stock in the means And that's it for this week's CG News. Okay, so before I do anything, let's see if I can get this image up of what you wanted to show people. Well, no, I mean, it, it was just Mr. Dustybot told me. <laughs> Dali. Dali. Okay, let's try this. There we go. Belly's Navidad. Ah, Wizard Vark. Wizard Vark. A wizard Vark. There A you wizard go. Vark. There we go. I, th I think Mr. Dustybot did very I, well there. I think Mr. Dustybot did do very well there. I like the stars and moons on his hat. I mean, it could only be better if it said wizard on the, across yes. the front of it. There we go. Is he, yes. is he holding that one Harry Potter style as well? Is that how they hold the ones oh, that, in Harry isn't, isn't that, yeah, that, that's, a, that's a Voldemort style. Um, yes. yes. <laughs> uh, Volcaria says, Advarcanist. Yes. Oh, very, very good, Volcarius. Yes. yes. Advarkanist. It's a cool picture. Yeah. Um, right. So, shall we? Shall we move on and and uh, head over and see what Beetle Jude and Wotherspoon have gonna, to say? I, I could place wagers on this one because <laughs> they've been suffering the same drought. So, the Hutton News mentioned the return of CGs, and then Flossie did the CGs. And I would imagine Beetle, I'm just guessing here, Beetlejuice and Wotherspoon, and I've not seen it yet, might possibly be latching on to exactly the same galactic news here. <laughs> you know, I haven't done the buttons for weeks, <laughs> and you're springing all this stuff on me. <laughs> right, okay, uh, here we go with Beetlejuice and Wotherspoon and the Galnet News. Galnet News Update, 18th of January, 3310. Azimuth and Aegis battled over them, back in 3307. Salvation wanted them to build the Proteus Wave and wipe out the Thargoids. And now, Ramtar wants Guardian Relics to defeat the Titans and end the Thargoid invasion. The latest initiative was announced by Professor Alba Tezro of the Tri-Superpower Research and Defence Agency Aegis. She claims that Ramtar has formed a hypothesis regarding a potential weakness in the Titans, which is something to do with the Thargoid's inherent vulnerability to Guardian technology. Having seen Engineer Tar's laboratory-scale tests, 
Aegis is convinced that the theory is worth testing, and has asked commanders to supply as many Guardian relics, as well as unclassified relics, to Felice Dokin Mean, to allow a much larger scale trial to be attempted. If the initiative and the tests prove successful, then Tezro promises that details of the currently secret plan will be revealed. It's unclear at this stage what TAR's plans entail. Guardian weaponry has so far proved useless in systems containing Thargoid Titans, and it seems doubtful whether this obstacle can be overcome. Nevertheless, Aegis appears to be optimistic that this initiative could spell the beginning of the end for the Thargoid invasion. Guardian relics can be collected from the tops of poles at Guardian ruins in systems with a Guardian civilization, such as Sinuf EN-HD11-96 and Rigo XQ-LC21-29, by shooting them down. They're not corrosive, so can be carried safely in any type of cargo rack. Unclassified relics are created by taking Guardian relics to a Thargoid imprint site, such as can be found in Delphi, and feeding them into the Thargoid machine inside. You need to take a corrosive Thargoid sensor, which can be gathered from nearby Thargoid crash sites, to get in, but the explosive conversion into the green unclassified relics is well worth the effort assuming you survive the shockwaves and the suddenly hostile Thargoid scavengers. The relics are being collected in two parallel initiatives, which both run until the morning of the 25th of January. There are prizes up for grabs too. For the easier Guardian Relic initiative, the top 75% of participants will earn a Guardian paint job for their Alliance Chieftain. What better way is there of showing the Thargoids what side you're on? And for the Unclassified Relic Initiative, Aegis is offering two exciting paint jobs. The top 75% of contributors will get a Guardian paint job for their Federal Corvette, and the top 50% will earn a far more desirable Guardian paint job for their Imperial Cutter. It's nearly three years since the Aegis megaship Alexandria, laden with Guardian relics, was sabotaged and looted by Azimuth Biotech, who wanted the relics to attempt genocide on the Thargoids. The current Aegis initiative appears to be focusing on driving the Thargoids out of human space rather than attempting to eliminate them completely. But perhaps that goal raises rather difficult questions about the human colonisation of Thargoid space in the Pleiades, the Witchhead and California Nebulas, and the Musca Dark region. Thanks very much there to Beetlejuice mm. and Wotherspoon. And weren't those just spectacular paint jobs? I love those Guardian paint jobs. Anything Guardian, we haven't had anything Guardian for a while. So pretty. Anyway, we'll have to get back in and do do the thing now. Yeah, we'll have to, to go to in get and do something. Yeah, I'm, but, I'm, but I'm, I'm, got a problem. The, I'm out the far side of the, the Formidine Rift. It might take a while. I, I, I don't own a Chieftain Guardian, a Corvette, or a Cutter. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you have and a Cutter, but no chance of Garlics. <laughs> Yeah, more yeah, more to the point. More to the point. I don't have the uh, I don't have the skill to do those things that they're talking about. I've got a cutter, but I never use it. I'm always I, in my I'm type nine. 
Yeah, I've got a cotton, never use it. Yeah, I've got like. Oh, two I remember many combat zones alongside people flying. We haven't done one of those for ages, have we? Sort of uh, team missions with loads of us in war zones, those kind of bits and bobs. We ought to resurrect that. So. Actually, talking of that, there are rumours that there is going to be um, another CCCCCG, Flossy, or an event. Oh, because yeah. I have been contacted by a very excited Commander Hardy who was um, looking at um, another commander's idea about some um, Sidewinder shenanigans on the 30th of May, which happens to be a green room night. Because 30th of May, I believe, is an anniversary, an important anniversary. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> we were contacted about that a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, well, that we, a couple of weeks ago. Wasn't that um, um, a, a birthday of Elite? Give it a minute. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you you okay there, Flossie? I think she's having yeah, a pat on the back with a pan. Hang on. <laughs> Hang on. Is that better? A little bit. No, a little bit. Okay. Anyway, I believe the 30th of May happens to be a big birthday for Elite. And um, it was suggested that we, because it's a green room night, actually dedicate the evening to arsing about in Sidewinders somewhere. Um, and Commander Hardy's got very excited about it and has put his hand up to say, yes, I, I, I really want to do this and I want to be involved in helping organise it as well with the, the, the chap that came up with it. Um, and, and can we do that on the 30th? So I think I said yes. So mm -hmm. we're penciling in heavy pencil. Um, it's a community event for the for the thirtieth of May, where we're all going to get together in sidewinders and do stuff um, for the evening, which means that we don't have to write any news. We can just go blow things up in sidewinders. If only we had access to the sidewinders we had in Alpha, because they, they were cool. Well, they. Oh, they? the first ones we got to have a go with in when you first got to fly a spaceship. No, Aren't they the same way. ones that we got now? <laughs> They no, just they no, just the seemed a lot better because we didn't know any different. Are different and <laughs> we haven't got like uh, anacondas humping each different. other and yeah, yeah the leather's different and they don't have leather. It's a sidewinder. Because you know that sidewinders when you f you know first start the game, you know it's it's like that that moment you sit in the cockpit. Obviously, it's miraculous, even though it's a sidewinder, because you don't know mm -hmm. any better. Yeah. Though I do think, to be honest about it, given that it's a significant birthday, we might have to talk about maybe adjusting to Cobra Mark Threes for that retro vibe. Yeah, it's still very much. Oh, I started in Cobra Mark Three. What about Mark Fours? <laughs> oh, <laughs> controversial. Oh, I'd be alright. I've got one. <laughs> I've got one. I've got one. I've got one. Yeah. But but um, yeah, yes, not everybody has one of those. I sold mine the week I got it. It was bloody awful. <laughs> and, I, and I bet you've never used the Viper Mark IV either. either. Nope. The only Viper I have is is dressed up as a police ship. We do cops and robbers. We have one load in Vipers and one load in Cobras for that real retro vibe. Yeah. Mm. yeah it's mm. got police written on the side. And like a blue and white paint job. That looks a bit Starsky and Hutch. Does it have flashy lights on the top? Oh, well, I'm sure it does. 
all ships do, don't they? Well, do they? The flashy lights that you have to appear in your rearview mirror when you're speeding. Um, yeah, my I'm just looking at my dolphin now. It's got a little uh, white sort of anti-collision beacon. It's I do like underneath. dolphins. Dolphins are cool. Yeah, it's got one below as well. Mine's kit out for exploration. Oh, his is a mug mug running. Yeah. Oh, a good mug, mug runner. runner. Make a yeah, good it's mug a very runner. good mug. Well, you can tell. Look at the stats. He's a very good mug runner. Mm. <laughs> I started out in uh, in a in a cobra, which I still use from time to time. There's no weapons on a dolphin. You get interdicted. You just who needs weapons? They can dodge weapons. out of any interdiction. Though. I thought in a dolphin you just ram it, things. No, well, they, you can, but in in a cobra, I'd look at see what it is and go, "Oh yeah, I'll have one of them." So I uh, submit and then kill it. Well, I do more because I used my cobra four. Yeah, mm. I've been using a cobra four. Or a keelback, actually. Keelback's nice. really good. It's been a while, but I used a uh, dolphin. Yeah. Dolphins are I, good. I don't do keelback because it's got the little wiggly engines on the sides, and oh, I just like it. Not enough people use them. I have a soft spot for the keelback. Mm. Unfortunately, the landing pads don't, which is why I may have had a few rebuys, <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but right, well, I, I found the dolphin was the biggest media. But you could get the most on a dolphin for a, a small ship. Yeah, because it's got that big space for the luxury cabin. It's got a size five. Yeah, you can base. you can go to sort of eighty if you really want. Um, mm. Mid seventies is yeah, yeah, with at least a small shield just for the unexplained. Yeah, unexplained. Yeah. You know, usually usually between the the allocation, you don't get as high as eighty anyway. You know, so yeah. Hmm. Fill up whatever it's given you, and off you go. Well, you take it off your fleet carrier. Yeah, if you've got one. Well, you've got one. No, I haven't. Well, you sold not. it. Not on my on Back my Xbox. Glasgow Central. Uh, Glasgow Central is part. Uh, is, is it might still be running? I've not checked on it in about a year or two. Um, but it was part ten thousand light years outside the bubble somewhere. Is like in a filling station for people. Do you, so you don't check whether it's been uh, repossessed and? No, it's on my Xbox account. I just put all my money that I had left in Xbox. It's been into crushed it. into a tiny little cube the size of a yeah, small moon. I, well, I I just put all the money I had left into when I switched the PC. I put all the money I had left into my fleet carrier and left it out there. So I don't know what kind of condition it's in. If I'm honest, I should <laughs> check on it sometime. Yeah. Yeah. See if it's possible to fly out to it. It's a bit like buying a Rolls Royce and leaving it in some back streets. Oh, I, I, I filled it up with tritium and offered, you know, kind of refueling services. Yeah, that as well. Half, Tony and half, Legacy then. Half, <laughs> half a tritium and half a tritium. Um, and I just left it out there. So, you know, it meant people, if they were out and about, if they found it, they could refuel, they could fuel the fleet carrier off it if they wanted. I don't know if any of the tritium or tritium ever sold, but, you know, it'd be great if you were out there running low and thought, I'm going to look and see if there's a carrier nearby. My God, there is. And it's in it's a really... Glasgow in space. It's, it's in a really spectacular system as well. The system it's in is lovely. If I could remember the name of it, I'd tell you. It gets better. <laughs> well, assuming you left enough cash on it to keep it running for a while. 
Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I put all my Xbox money into it. What Why about an that? adder? Would that make a good mug runner? Uh, uh, it's too too many red taxi vibes. I know, but I like no, the adder. That's, no, that's the hauler. It's so nimble, the adder. Oh, you're right. It is the hauler, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. The adder's it's like one up. that they park in the medium <laughs> You want to do it in style in a fur de lance. Yeah. yeah, medium shit though. You don't get yeah. small. Yeah, plants. just tell them say hi. It's me. I've got mugs. Yeah. Ciao. Da. You do. You do know that definitely. You know, Ferdinand's drivers say ciao. Yeah. You could. What to do is turn up to Hutton in a small ship or a medium ship. Load up as much as you can. Fly to somewhere else and transfer it across. See, I, I would no, have thought. Either. I would have thought it's more the Mamba drivers that would say ciao. Oh there yeah, Mamba. Be, yeah. I think Mamba drivers say ciao. I've Cal never Bear, owned or flown one. I really ought to at some point. Oh, they're nice. They're not Mamba, good. <laughs> Mamba pilots say, I like the Mamba. you die now, victim. They're, they're very yeah. good if you go in a straight line and nothing else. Yeah, well, that's what I do. Uh, that's what you do if you're going to Hutton, though. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Until you, you get there. You say that, but uh, the Mamba is Alex Zuno's uh, ship of choice. Yeah. Mm. Is it Mamba number five? Mm. Yes. Uh, the Mambas do, I mean, if you're, if you're in a Mamba, it's either Chow Bella or Bellissimo. Bellissimo. <laughs> Bellissimo. Oh, you die now, <laughs> Yeah, the thing is, if I had a Mamba, I would definitely have to call it a little bit of Monica. One thing yes. that, mm. one thing that the, I um, yeah. never liked about the Fair Lance is the fact that you're off-centre. Yes. Well, yes. Isn't, the, isn't the Python also off-centre? Yeah. So is the cobra. Yeah, the python's, yeah, the python's side by side, but it doesn't bother me in the python. No, no it's, it's not as apparent, is it? It's... I think it's the, the way the windows are set up. On the thing the I don't like about the Ferdelands is there's so much cockpit, you always end up losing your cockpit and canopy. Yeah. See, in VR, if you look behind you in a, a Ferdelands, it's just stunning. It, yes. It, yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful space inside a Ferdinand's cockpit. Mm-hmm. I uh, I prefer the T9 in VR, looking around inside. Oh, you when, go you, yes. when you can, you're in that glass <laughs> yeah. dome at the front. Yes. It's like a floating but then, palm house. But then, I mean, you have the same kinds of cockpit in, like, the the, well, uh, the, the Type 7. All the, t- all the T-ships. Yeah, yeah. All, the, all the T-ships. But in a Type 9, it, it really is. It's like you're on a platform. It's like three yeah. levels of it. Yeah. Yeah. Because you well, look the type, down the type and you 10 defender when when you when you're letting rip at somebody with all those guns around you with it, when you're in that dome is quite quite fun. And the cool thing is is the small hard points are either side side of the cockpit. So if you're in VR and you look to your left and as you arm your guns you literally see them come out and they're right yeah. there. Have you looked around the beluga cockpit? Yes. Oh my god, that's like a, you do feel like you're it's in like a, a liner. Or, yeah. 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 The dolphin I quite liked, but it is just a seat. There's not much going on at the back. There's like a shelf or something, isn't there? What we ought to do is is get um, get the sort of VR up and record a look around some of these cockpits for those people that haven't got VR so they can see around. You can still look around. If you go into photo mode, you can look around your cockpit. Yeah, you can look I mean, around a little bit. Yeah. It's not the same. No, it's not the same, but, you know, it's something. <laughs> um, yeah, I quite like it. I like the Type 7 cockpit because, again, you're down the very front, but if you look behind you, there are two kind of bridge stations, which you're not allowed to put anybody into by the likes of things, but there's two <laughs> bridge stations behind you. 
Um, and they always make me think they're a bit star. You know, like Star Trek, when you've got somebody up the back at one of the stations, there's usually somebody standing on a platform behind the captain kind of thing. It's, they've got that kind of look for me. Mm, the know? ASP has got the second... Uh... Asp has a similar cockpit to the Type 9 and whatnot as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, Diamondback. I haven't tried their Diamondback. No, yeah. I, I was about to say, I've, I've not... I've, <laughs> the cockpit looks I've like it's going to fall one. apart. <laughs> There's like you know, exposed wires. <laughs> yeah. in the lot. Um, it's my biggest uh, rescue in... DBX. <laughs> if you really want to feel like a space bum, you just look inside the cockpit of a DBX in VR because yeah, all it's the literally with wires hanging was down. The, from yeah. the ceiling. Was the DBX not meant to be put together in a hurry? Did they not bring out the DBS and people went, "Well, that's shit," and they went, "Okay, we'll make a better one," and they brought out the DBX. But was it not meant to be like a kind of rush job, and that's why you've got wires all over the place? I thought the Scout came out after the DBX. Ah, uh, nothing. I don't know. It was very early days, so I think the Scout came out first and then the DBX came out. Well, the, if you really want to have that, um, you know, um, Firefly feel to your ship. Oh, yes. You know, fly a DBX. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <You can> Without <laughs> a repair can... system. <laughs> but you can see the you can see the hologram generators, uh, the hologram projectors. They're, they're clipped onto the side. <laughs> see when you look at your right. side panels, there's two wires running into a wee box that projects the hologram up. <laughs> um, the other one that's a bit like that is the Crate Mark Two. It's got some loose wires running about the place as well. Yeah, but it it does have a much cleaner feel to it. It does, and it has a coffee machine. Um. Oh, the Phantom. That's got a lovely cockpit. I love the cockpit yeah. because the, even though you have the the central main pilot seat, the mm. the secondary seat is like kind of off and to the the right. All right. Okay. Um. So and you've got that platform between between them as well. So uh, if you're in the passenger seat, you can look to your left and you you're literally seeing like a a, a walkway. Podium, like yeah. a platform walkway with with a whole. You got windows there on the other side as well. It's really nice. Yeah. Yeah. More more people should do VR. There we go. But you know, you you got to take into account what the inside of the ship looks like when you do VR. It's very important. Yeah. Because, because you're seeing the inside of your ship a lot more than than when you're playing on screen. I'm just looking now. Show me the inside. The Aston Martin DBX Hyper Red. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not a Diamondback Explorer. It's, too, <laughs> it's far too nice for a start. Too cheap. Yeah. No, it's too nice. Oh, it's it's gorgeous. Uh, that's not what I'm looking for. I'm going to go to the images and see if we can get the. I'm going to find this projector for the holograms. I just think it was. I I remember seeing it the first time and realizing what it was and thinking that's brilliant that they've done that. I'll find it at some point. <laughs> Have any Just, of you um, sat in the cockpit of a cutter? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Loads of seats. Have you actually just, had a look around, though? <laughs> it's very big. I just, I just um, having a look at the outside of my uh, dolphin, and then uh, there's laser fire bouncing off the shields. <laughs> I was like, shit! <laughs> Pirates? Yeah, it was an eagle. 
Oh dear. Yeah. Size yeah, you could get back. You could get back to just sitting there and let it fire. It's <laughs> well, not going to do it. Well, I'm only on size three. You shields. just moon out of the window at it. It's <laughs> only <laughs> uh, it's only a bumps and scrapes, you know, hitting the curb shield. Right. Well, yes. On on that note, before chicks gets attacked by scavengers, no, I'm well off again now. Oh, you're off again now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you very much, everybody, for joining us. It it's been a pleasure. It's been good fun. We've we've inserted as many seams as we could. A lot of scenes tonight. Yeah, yeah small scenes. I'm, yeah. I'm a bit rusty Stylish on the buttons. Wow, well, yeah. Um, I would say, what back. I would say in other defense is everybody remembered to speak when they were supposed to speak. Mm, yes. What they yeah. said sometimes, you know, but <laughs> when they were meant to speak, they were speaking. <laughs> yes. Even if they were speaking in a bit that wasn't their bit, but their name was read out. I mean, mm, yeah. it was mentioned, yeah. Nope. Oh, oh, that sounded uh, fake. We ought to Eagles have a little back. remote camera on Chicks while we're doing this in one of the little panels, you know. That's actually oh, a really good idea. Chicks cam. Chicks cam. That you can do that. Place. I'm being interdicted at the moment. Um, sounds more like Chicks yeah, cam. Yeah, it's the same. We, we can actually try that next week. We can actually make you, you know the little box that says "Up next" and it says "Loading, yes. please stand by." Often. That could be Chicks cam. That could be chips. Yeah, that could be Chicks cam. There you go. Evaded. <laughs> I'll see if I can do that next week, shall I? It's actually really easy to do. I can show you how to do it, chicks. Oh, like. yeah, no, I've, I, we, we, we did it. We used the same we remote did it once cam before as we used we did it. ECM, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Using the magic the magic um, video capture bit that um, Litho showed us. Yes. yes. Hmm. Well, Ninja. You know, I, I think they've all done their community service now. Can we let them go? Yeah, we, we can we can let the visitor yeah. go. The, the I audience want to know, go. I want to know from Volcarius what's um, so so special about the passenger seat in the uh, Mamba. Uh, get Volcarius to get us a picture. Photos. Oh, it's up in a, the the passenger seat in a Mamba. Well, you're up in, in the a, chat. You're in a so... dome. You're up in a dome on the oh, roof of the ship. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh. Never seen that. It's even yeah. if it's even more special when you when you go into the the gunner position. If I remember right, in the Mamba, there's like a big hole in the floor as well. <laughs> it's like I can't remember. It's like just behind the the uh, pilot seat or just in front of it. I can't remember which which one it is. But there's a bloody great big hole that someone could easily fall down. <laughs> well, you're in zero G, so you might float. You know. It looks like a, a like a, a section of the hull has been taken out for some reason. It, it looks like it shouldn't be there. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's a bit like that um, that pit in the Millennium Falcon where you yells, you know, fetch the hydro spanners. <laughs> anyway, something like that. Yeah. Shall we call well, it? Are a we going to raid somebody tonight? I don't know. Are we? <clears throat> are we? Yeah. Well, I, I can. Oh, Woolies is on. The, the He's not button. playing. Woolies is on, but he's not no. playing, playing Elite Dangerous. No, booed Woolies. So who, who have we got? Let's have a look. Is there anybody we would recommend as, a, as an audience? And uh, Let's have a look. Uh, who's playing at the moment? Ah, the scribbling senator. No. <laughs> not after what he posted on the internet this week. No. Boo, do manga, boo. 
Let's have a look. And uh, what we got? And who else is doing? We got here? someone called Drew Wagar. No, no, he's on, he's on the note list. Oh, he's on the note list. We have a note list. Oh. Yeah, he's on. The, he's on it. He's on it. Why? What did he do? Oh, there's a long and complicated story for discussion offline. I'd imagine it's. <laughs> Uh, Lieutenant Syke. Well, that, that must be a yeah. myth. It can't be him because he doesn't play elite. No, he's retired so many times, but he comes yeah. back to occasionally poke a so stick. We, oh, you have to come back if you're going to leave again. More f well, you've got to come back if you're going to leave again. You have more farewell tours than the Rolling Stones. And it's Wigger. Wigger. Emulated Penguin. I quite like that one. I like, I like the name. Look, look, I see Guardian Relic CG and M Commander underscore emulated penguin. I, 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 that gets my vote because that's yep, a cool okay. name. So, um, so we're going to do the credits in a minute. We're going to get the warning in a minute about the not waking mooncake up. And, she is um, sleeping right next to me. <laughs> yes. How about we get everyone in chat to shout for the mug? Yeah, you, you, you in capital letters, everybody, yeah? Yeah. Yes. Big, big we, capital we letters. As big as you can. Yes, okay. Go on. All right, ready? Yeah. One, two, three. For the mug! mug. For the mug! Mug! Call, call that mug. Journey too long, or cargo too small. Profit margins never really mattered at all. We're gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere. Loading all the teen out to the brim with the rest for the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, everybody sing the trucker song. Flossy always seems to crash into the sun Skibble lights to pile it on the Xbox One Helping out the free, you know it leads us well Trucking across the galaxy, now everybody yeah For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from for the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody sing the hunting trucker song. For the more, for the more, for the more. You know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Everybody sing the hunting trucker song.
Give me a large pipe that I can land on And I'll give you cargo and sing you my song No point twenty-two light years to go Cruising to what? No journey too long No cargo too small The profit margins never really mattered at all Gonna take the cargo where it's needed today. Super cruising all across the Milky Way. We're taking anything, anytime, anywhere. So shout it out loud, like you don't even care for the more, for the more, for the more, for the more. Yeah, you know just where we're coming from. For the more, for the more, for the Everybody sing the trucker song For the more, for the more, for the more Yeah, you know just where we're coming from For the more, for the more, for the more Everybody sing the trucker song Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the show. Everyone's buggered off now, so why don't you bugger off too? Seamless. <laughs>